right, Merry Christmas everybody. Welcome to Gateway Church, I'm Pastor Chad and I'm going to be sharing with you the word today. And uh, how many of you excited that it's Christmas time? How many of you got your houses decorated? Man, we had ours decorated like three months ago for Christmas. But uh, no, actually we always decorate before Thanksgiving because we're not even home for Thanksgiving. We're up in the, at, the, uh, at Dan B, you know, camping with everybody, so... It's kind of nice that when you come home and you clean up after camping, you don't have to go into work mode to decorate. It's already done, right? And uh, so we've got our house ready, and we're excited about Christmas. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing bingo. I love Christmas because it's a really good time to, to, to really hang out with everybody at Gateway Church. And I want to encourage you to, to come to all the things that we do. And it's, it's funny sometimes how here we are. What, what is this month supposed to be about? Jesus, the birth of Christ, right? It's about his birth, right? We say, I mean, there's the stickers and the t-shirts and all the cliches that Christians are full of that Jesus is the reason for the season. And But how many times do we forego Jesus in the attempt of celebrating Christmas? And how many times do we do something other than celebrate Jesus' birthday because we're too busy celebrating Christmas? You know what I mean? And, and, and what it did, it turns into a people-pleasing thing and a mother-in-law pleasing thing and a grandma-pleasing thing. You know what I mean? And all these things. But so, we get so busy pleasing people that we forget to celebrate Jesus' birthday. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's your birthday, so we're going to go do something else to celebrate your birthday, you know. It, it, you know and, and we don't do that intentionally all the time, but it kind of happens. If we don't step back and say, what is the focus? But you know what? We say that Jesus is the reason of the season, but why, why can't Jesus just be the reason, period, right? Jesus should be the reason in January, February, March, April, De- you know, all the way through December. Jesus should always be the reason, because at what point do we not need Jesus? At what point is Jesus not good enough for us anymore? At what point is there something better, or is there an alternative to Jesus? There isn't. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by Him. Amen? And, and, and that's the goal, right? To get to the Father, to have relationship. And so today, you know, I just want to, I want you to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read a, a part of it out of the ESV. But how many of you... Like, just sometimes you're like, man, I wish we could be just like the church when it first started. How many of you have ever felt that way? You are. You're a bunch of knuckleheads, just like they were in the New Testament church, which we are at the beginning of this. And you begin to read the letters that, that Paul begins to write to the churches. And, and these letters were not always, man, you're doing so great, I have nothing to say. Just keep doing what you're doing. Pretty much all of Paul's letters were, or not all of them, but a lot of Paul's letters were correction and warning and training and, and, and sometimes disciplinary. And, and Paul was addressing issues in the church because there's been issues in the church ever since the church started. And, and we, are, we are not impervious to, to the same things, that, to, to anything that the churches had to deal with in the, in the you know, beginnings of the church. And so we have to make sure that we stay focused and that we don't get distracted. How many of you get distracted? Yeah. You know, some of you are on your phones right now. What did he, what did he say? I didn't even know. Yeah, I wasn't looking at you. I was looking at Sharissa. She's my comfort spot. Let's pray for Dusty Bastion. She's on her phone. You know, 
I tell you what, when you're under grace, you really have to use the honor system a lot. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and that being said, I just, I forgot, I got some house rules we need to, you know, reiterate. You know, God had to give the commandments twice, so I'm going to have to do it probably about 20 times. But, but the door on the side of the church right here, this behind that curtain, okay? Treat that like the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. You cannot go behind that curtain. Don't open that door. That wood door, do not open. Because we have two options here. We can either make the kids be perfect, or we can get going. We can quit going through that door. I see it a whole lot easier to just quit going through that door than to make those kids perfect and quit screaming and hollering and making noise. Okay, we want a distraction-free service. Okay, as much as possible. All right. So, so please go through the glass doors to the foyer around. And there's some security reasons there, right? So there's a bear trap on the other side of that door. So if you want to lose your leg, don't go through that door. And, um, but also too. Uh, just, you know, just always when we come to church, come with a heart and mentality to worship and to say, how can I cre- help create an environment to do that? And, uh, and, but that includes loving on one another before we start, right? But also it means when we start, let's start, right? And then when we're done, let's go back to loving on each other and, and all those good things. So one day, hopefully not in the too far future, we'll have a sanctuary over here. We can all just meet at one time, and then you can just hang out as long as you want at the end of service, right? And, and we'll probably just start having you bring lunch, and we'll just eat afterwards, all right? So, amen. So, so this, this December, we, we're looking at a series. We're calling it Simply Christmas, but you can see it's Christmas, right? Simply Christmas. What is always the problem? How do we, how do we stay focused on Jesus in the midst of the holidays? How do we stay focused on Jesus, period? Because let's be honest, we, have, we don't just have problems focusing on Jesus on December, we have problems focusing on Jesus pretty much 365 days of the year for some reason or another because we have problems and we have concerns and we have cares and we have hardships and sufferings and, and sometimes even the good days can distract from Jesus. Yeah? Sometimes even the blessings of God can distract from Him. I mean, going back to God telling Jeremiah, you know the plans I have for you, they're good, right? But I'm, I'm going to give them to you later when you seek me with your whole heart. God wants to bless us, but not at the expense of his relationship. That is the most important thing about God is the relationship. Are there benefits to having a close relationship with God? You bet you. There's blessings forevermore. Amen? Uh, there, there's joy. I mean, there's all these things, but, but, you, but we cannot disassociate them from who they come from. And the, the actual bless. We want, we want to know the blesser, you know. Not just receive the blessings. There's something more uh, beyond just good things happening in our lives. There's a, there's a person to know. And so in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to read in the New King James Version. You can follow me on the screen if you want. And Paul says, For I am jealous of you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow... As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, it is very easy to misunderstand what the heck he just said about the simplicity. Because Christ is not simple, okay? This isn't dumbing down Jesus, and we're going to try to come to understand. What is, what is he trying to say here? He says, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, 
you may well put up with it. Paul gets pretty sarcastic sometimes. You know, well, you, just, you, may, you may well put up with it. And, but what he's saying here is this, is that, that Jesus must be the focus. Now, let me read it in the, in the English, uh, the ESV, just uh, verses, uh, verse 3. It says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Okay, now that actually, I think, gives us a little bit more idea into what Paul is saying here, okay? And, and the word sincere and the word simplicity in the New King James Version uh, comes from the word haplotes, okay? And it means singleness, it means simplicity, it means sincerity and mental honesty, and uh, it, is, it is the virtue of one who is free from pretending and hypocrisy. Uh, it is also, it means, it means not self-seeking, openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity, right? And, and we, 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 we see that the Bible teaches us that Satan wants us to be self-centered and self-serving. Jesus wants us to be Christ-serving and through that serve others because of what he has done for us, amen? And that's, you know, and, the, and there is that, that implication in the giving of gifts for Christmas, right? It really isn't about, you know, receiving, though I like my Christmas gifts. It is about giving. You know, it blesses my heart that Callie, I mean, not Callie, but Cammie, you know, at, at 10 years old, she is trying to figure out, you know, she's, she goes, I don't have any money, and Dad don't either. So, you know, uh, and, you know God, and God takes care of us, but, you know, you know kids don't have a... A, uh, a job they, they can't like go out and buy gifts and we'll give her some money to go let her go shopping but before she asked that though she said hey I'm gonna like make stuff for my friends because she wants to be able to give something to her friends she I think she's made Lizzie something she's made Sophia something I mean she's got all kind of stuff my house has been trashed for two days with craft stuff and, and so but, but her heart is to show her friends I love you by 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 creating something you know, and being resourceful and creative and saying, how can I bless my friends to let them know that I love them? And, and that's, what, that's what our lives should be about, right? I mean, that's what Christ teaches us to be about. Not about self-serving and, and taking advantage of everybody, but how can I serve others? And how can I give freely as God has freely given to us? And so, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, 5-8, through 8, this word haplotes is used again uh, in regards to sincerity, and it says this, bondservants. Now, what do we know about bondservants? Was bondservants just any servant in the Old Testament? No. A bondservant was someone who had done their time of service and had decided, you know what, I love my master, and I love the person that, that I have served for all these years, and I'm just going to make a vow to commit my life to them for the rest of my life. And they would actually bore their ear as a sign to say that I belong to this person. And it wasn't, it wasn't out of demand. It was, it was their choice. And it, and it really reflects us in our relationship with Christ to say, I love Jesus, and I want to give Jesus my complete life. I want to be marked actually in my heart, amen, the circ in the circumcision of the flesh, to say that I belong to Jesus, and I want to give him my life to be my master and Lord forever, amen. That's when you get saved, amen. That's when you're like, you know what, I, I belong to Jesus. He is, he is my God. He is my Lord. But, but even so, after that, sometimes our, our, our hearts and our minds can be 
deflected away from the focus of Christ in our life. And Paul uses the analogy of, of Eve being enticed by the serpent. Now, how many of you have has ever had a whisper of Satan in your ear saying, is that what God really said? You see, we think that was a one-time deal in the garden. No, this is what Satan does every day. And if you're lost, he wants you, he wants you just where you're at. He wants you to stay where you're at. He wants you to challenge everything of God. But even if you're saved, he wants you to begin to question and have doubts and to to, to lose focus and to lose, lose fervor and zeal in your walk with the Lord. He wants you to begin to, when you have problems, come up with alternatives. He wants you to, when you face difficulties, look to some other means to fulfill or to, to meet the need. When, when God says, you just, you just trust me in his timing and his way and do what he says to do. You know, and, and, and that's, what, that's what we've got to come to the point of to say, you know what, I've, I've got to stay focused on Christ. It's got to be about Jesus. It's not, it's not knowing about Jesus. It's not about knowledge. You know, the Bible says knowledge will puff you up. It's, it's about, about knowing Jesus. You know, when we read the Bible, it's not to get smarter. It's to know Jesus. When we read the Bible, it's, it's, it's not to, to become better at self-help and self-reliance. It's to become closer and more reliant on Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen? My healer. I mean, all the things that Jesus is to us. But he says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. He says, as you would Christ. He says, not by, not by the way of eye service. How many of you know we can do that? We can come into church and just, you know, we can get dressed up and go through the motions just to make everybody think, well, they're a really squared away Christian. As people pleasers, you know, we do things sometimes just to please others. You know, how many husbands are going to die and go to hell because they just want the church to please their wives? And vice versa. I mean, the churches are full of them. I don't take for granted that every one of you are headed to the kingdom of heaven. The only way that you're going to heaven is if you know Jesus and Jesus knows you. We went over this a couple weeks ago, and about 12 people got saved. Amen? Because they realized, hey, I know about Jesus, but does Jesus know me? But as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. But the thing of it is, is we have to trust God that if we obey God and say, God, I'm going to, not for earning salvation, amen, because for, for by grace we have been saved through faith that is not of your own selves. But we know this, that God rewards those who seek him. Not only in the, not only in the in everlasting life in heaven, but now. You know, uh, Paul says that also. He says that godliness is a value not only later, but now. It's, it's a value, period. But, how, but here's the question, though. How do we maintain simple, sincere focus on Jesus? How do we do that? It's kind of a mind trick or a play on words, but how, how do we maintain a simple focus on Jesus? How many of you have mastered that? It really comes down to this. 
We maintain a simple, sincere focus on Jesus when we don't oversimplify Jesus. Now, caught that, right? We maintain a simple, sincere focus on Jesus when we don't oversimplify Jesus, when we don't reduce him, when we don't lessen him, when we don't take something from him that only he can possess in the first place. You know what I mean? Once again, going back, that, that sincere, simple focus is not describing, the simplicity isn't describing Christ, it is describing our focus on Christ. Jesus isn't simple, people. And that's why the Jews totally missed out on the opportunity to get to know the Messiah at, at up front because he did not come in the way that they thought he was going to come. They thought that Conan was going to come and kill all their enemies and deliver them from all their, their captors and, and, and from the Romans and all that stuff, you know, and they thought it was just going to be this big, great, victorious entrance, which it was upon the cross. They just didn't see it because they were, they were confused by the simplicity of the entrance of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came in, who humbled himself, God, came down in the flesh of mankind, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. And he's born in a manger to a carpenter family, grows up in a simple, insignificant town, and is just a common dude on the outside, unless you knew who he was behind the flesh. Amen? And they totally missed out on that. And Satan, this is... This is what Satan challenges us every day in our perceptions and in our view of Christ, just like he challenged Adam, or Adam and Eve in the garden to say, is that what God really said? Because here's the deal, what a man says has everything to do with who he is. So what he was really saying is, is God what he really says he is? And when he says something, does he really mean it? And is he of, of such a value that when he says something, it should be obeyed and honored and respected? You see, he was tearing down God to Eve. He was littling God to Eve. He was devaluing and underwhelming who God was in our life. And you know what? Satan wants to do that every day in our lives. And when we lose value for Christ and who he is and what he's done and what he wants to do in our lives, our only choice is to look for alternatives. Our only choice is to focus somewhere else, whether it be to self or man or money or, or worldly wisdom. You see, when Paul wrote this letter, he was actually, Paul, man, Paul, Paul was saying, look, I introduced you guys to Christ. You guys know the gospel because of me. And then what happened is there was a group of, of people that were coming in and they were questioning Paul. And they were, they were focused on worldly wisdom. See, this was in Greece, right? Greece was a, was, was a hot spot of, of wisdom and worldly knowledge. And they were making it out to Christianity to be this thing that if you're a Christian, you know, you'll, you'll be very wise and you'll be, you, you'll, you won't suffer. And you'll be very powerful, which Paul says, and I have shown signs of God to you. Paul defended himself on that. So really, Paul was having to defend himself in a sense to say, 
dude, uh, these guys are preaching another Jesus, another gospel, something else that I didn't teach you guys. And, and he's kind of rebuking them to say, you need to repent and get focused. And he was having to kind of take a stand for himself. And so they were bringing all these accusations. But what they were doing is they were turning people from Jesus into more of a self-knowledge and a self-power other than Jesus. You know, but, and, and what is, what is Satan known for he was the worship angel in heaven he was the worship leader in heaven but he couldn't stand giving all the glory to God because he wanted a little bit of the glory or all the glory for himself and that's what that's what Satan wants us to do is to begin and so if you go back to that word haplotes it's not self-seeking right it's it's not self-seeking it's, it's about being sincere to Jesus. It's not about being self-seeking to us. And it's about not pretending to be something that you aren't. In other words, a hypocrite. In other words, I'm, true, I'm not talking about perfection here. You know, you know, just because you're not perfect doesn't mean you have to be a hypocrite. There really are two different things. I think we all throw them in. The, the, whole, problem, the whole problem with mankind is that he is, he is uh, a knucklehead and needs Jesus. Amen. And, and it is that confidence that I need Jesus and Jesus is my security and my help and my redeemer that, that should drive us to not be self-seeking but to seek him first and foremost and to not lose focus because he is all that I need. He's all that we need. We don't need anything else. And that's what Paul's telling these people here. Y'all are, y'all are, y'all are turning to another Jesus. In other words, that you're trying to take the truth and, and kind of Twist it to fit your needs, your self-seeking needs, and to fix your personal problems without just going to Jesus himself. So, so once again, how do we maintain simple, sincere focus on Jesus? By not oversimplifying Jesus. By learning who he is. Not devaluing him, not defacing him, and not giving ear to Satan or man who speaks for Satan to turn us away from the truth of the word of God concerning who Jesus is. And it's not describing Jesus, the simplicity, but total dependence on him. In other words, we are simply to be focused on Jesus and Jesus with a little bit of Jesus. And when you need it, Jesus, right? There, there, it's just Jesus. It is, it is simply Christmas. It is simply Jesus, and not just during the holidays, but but any day and every day, it is solely and focused on Jesus. And so I want I want you to go to Mark chapter six, and I want to read something here. And this this is why we we lose focus. I don't think maybe not the sole reason, but I think in our context, this is a lot of the reason why we lose focus. Is because we just oversimplify Jesus. And think about it. Who in America has not heard the name Jesus? I, you know, I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus, but I know I don't I've never met anybody who hasn't heard about Jesus. I mean, they've heard his name, right? I mean, if you go outside your house in the holidays, you see the signs that say he is the reason for the season, and, and, and then there's all this debate about, you know, uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or, you know, Thankful Winter Fest or, you know, wherever you want to call it. And we don't have a great winter. It's horrible. It's just wet and slushy. 
So, no, we don't even get slushy. We don't get that much frozen stuff. So, so it's, what I'm saying is, is, is a lot of, not Jesus himself, but his name and the, the worldly marketing has permeated United States. And so let's read this in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He says, he went away from there and came to his hometown. Must have been Christmas. He went home. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? So they're seeing the wisdom of God, the power of God, and and the miracles of God performed through Jesus. But then they go, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They were underwhelmed with this common carpenter named Jesus. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. You ever feel like you're in your house in the holidays? You're like, I get no respect in my household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Jesus could not do anything mighty there because the people had unbelief. He was astonished at their unbelief. I mean, he's like, dude, I'm, what, what else do, you, do I need to do to make you believe in who I am? But they undervalued him because they were familiar with him. He was Jesus the carpenter. Born in a manger, nobody of great importance or stature in the community that he was in at this moment. And because of that, people, he, couldn't, he, he, had, a, he had limitations of what he can do in their life. Have you ever found yourself in a place where because of your unbelief, Jesus couldn't do something in your life? I mean, think about it. If, if you had a problem and you went to something other than Jesus and Jesus still fixed it, what would you learn? It wouldn't be reliance on Christ. What if you gave your kid a cookie every time he ran out in the road? He wouldn't be eating very many cookies. You see what I'm saying here? Jesus is, they, they, were, they, were, they were familiar with this Jesus. He was... And what I'm saying is, how familiar do we get with Jesus? Jesus just beca- it becomes a phrase, it becomes a thing, it becomes a thing of disconnect. And, we, and what we do is we take Jesus for granted. And, and when you just take something for granted, you don't pursue it. You don't cater to it. You know, you don't, why? Because it's just expected to be there day in and day out for you. And, and it happens in our marriages, right? It happens with our children. It, ha- it happens relationally, period. And we serve a relational God because the very fact 
that God came down in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, was so that we could be connected to him. How? Relationally. And the reason why we're so jacked up relationally is because we don't know how to really have a relationship with God. We don't have a, how to have a relationship with people, with our wives and our kids. I mean, we're just, we're, Satan wants us to be relationally inept, and he does that by always questioning what the Word of God says applies to relationships between us and God, but also between us and people. You know, it's amazing. I, I, this has really been on my heart lately. I've I'm, I'm, I'm been studying. There's something more to it. But it said that Jesus learned obedience as a son through what he suffered. And, I, and I'm just, I'm kind of all over the place right now with this. I'm reading scriptures everywhere. But Paul, Paul talks about, you know, casting down things against the word of God. What does that mean? That means this does not line up with the word of God. I'm knocking it down. Amen. And I'm going to obey what the scripture says. And, you know, we, and I, and I said this last Sunday, I kind of, you know, when during the ministry time of William, and um, oh, what was I saying? I was talking about how, well, I was talking about the importance of obedience. Oh, when Jesus told the disciples that if your brother sins against you, but he comes and repents, and he asks for forgiveness 70 times 7 in a day, he says, you're to forgive him. And they're like, oh, Jesus, increase our faith. We can't do that. That's too hard. In other words, do it for us. And Jesus says, No. And it, well, he didn't say no. He just tells a story that a servant serves his master and he does his duty. In other words, do what you're told. You know, and, and we, we need to begin to, we need to read God's word and begin to obey it and, and quit letting Satan question what God asked us to do. Man, we, we know what to do. We're actually smarter than we play, on, play off or whatever, you know, than, than we act out because we know what the Word of God says a lot of times because we've heard it so many times. If you've heard it so many times, you haven't, then you will, hopefully, if you read it and come to church and listen. But, but, but a lot of times we know what to do, but we want somebody to, when we don't want the answer that we're getting, we will actually look for counsel to counsel us away from what the Word of God says. And we will seek that counsel until we get it so that we can justify the decision that we make knowing that we're wrong. Huh. We're two or more gathered, right? That applies both ways. All we need is justification. But Jesus, he could not do great things because the people were just... I mean, they, they, they even said, wow, look at this knowledge. Wow, look at this wisdom. Wow, look at this power. That's just Jesus, though. And, and the people that were attacking Paul in, in Corinthians, the, the, he called them super apostles because they were very intelligent. He says, look, I did not come to you with eloquent, lofty words of wisdom, meaning worldly wisdom. I came to you and I preached Christ and his death and his resurrection. That's all I preached to you because that's all you need to know and that's all it's about. Amen? The wisdom and the power come from Christ, not from man. The Bible says the natural man discerns not things of God for their foolishness to him. And neither can he know them for they're spiritually discerned. The gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. And so we can't undervalue, we can't be underwhelmed by Jesus. And listen, you know, Jesus came in as a baby, but he grew up. He grew up. And he's coming back. And he ain't going to be playing around. I, I'm, I just, I try to picture this in my mind. I'm an old Marine, right? I mean, I just, so, you know. Sometimes the warfare of the Bible is too relevant to me, right? But, but I, I think about what, it, what is it going to be like when Jesus comes back? I don't think anybody's going to be underwhelmed. 
I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's not going to be taking Jesus serious. I don't think anybody's going, is, is he really who he says that he is? Because the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus will not be underwhelmed or underwhelming to anyone. He will not be undervalued. Everyone will hold Jesus in the place that he ought to be. Whether they believed in time or not. Everybody's going to know who he is. And he's not just some common man. You see, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, that, that right there, when we read that, Jesus, God came down in the flesh, Jesus, and he lived life just like we did. And he still sinned not. You see, that is the very thing that makes Jesus so glorious and not simple, so powerful and not underwhelming. And it also makes him a God that understands what we go through every day and what we walk in every day. And he's saying this, look, <laughs> I'm not sitting up here in heaven just wondering what it's like down there. I have walked in every one of your shoes. I have been tempted in every way. I understand what you're going through. I know what you're feeling like. You know, I've had a sinus infection the last three days. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus, when he was a baby, had colic or something like that. I don't know what they had in Israel in those days. But, you know, but I'm sure he dealt with, with, with things like that of life. And he lost people. And he had, he had broken relationships. I mean, he, I mean you know what? <laughs> we, we, we take his suffering to be limited to the cross. No, he had to come down here and live amongst us. Compared to what, he, you know, what his alternative was, that's, that's, that's a lot of suffering, you know. But Jesus wants us to know that he loves us and that he cares for us. And, and once again, the very fact that, that he came and lived as a commoner amongst us is what makes him so more awesome than what we give him credit for. And so here we are at Christmas, man, and I don't, know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I don't know what your life was like before Christmas. But I, I want to truly, we can always think about, well, we'll do it right next Christmas, or we'll do it the, right, the Christmas after that, but I just, I just want to begin, I just want to even more so. I want to see baby Jesus grow up in my life. Amen? You see, when we get saved, we're infants, and we grow and mature. You know, Hebrews 6 tells us how to do that and what we need to do to get, it says to get down the doctrines of Christ. In other words, get the basics of Christ in your life. He is the cornerstone and we build upon that and, and we need to keep building upon that. But Satan wants to keep coming and knocking rocks out or chipping rocks. And he, wants to, he wants to mess up with our wall building. And, and what we need to do is say, you know what, I need, my life needs to just be simply focused on Jesus. And once again, the distractions don't just come from bad, they also come from good. Paul says that, that these super apostles were, were results of their father who was the angel of light, Satan. It says Satan works as an angel of light, making, well, this looks good, must be, must be Jesus, right? And he says, and those guys will be 
rewarded according to their deeds in the end. And so just because something looks good doesn't mean it's Jesus. We need to make sure that we're focused on Jesus and who he is and what he wants in our lives and make sure that we don't have any alternative plans for whatever reason, you know, for whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. We've got to say that Jesus is the reason for whatever season. Not just this one, but all the seasons. Jesus is always the reason. Amen? And so my heart, God, God just really put it on my heart. You know, we, we say, okay, what's our, what's our theme going to be for Christmas? Uh, Jesus' birthday. You know what I mean? You know, you, you try to be creative and whatnot, but, but God just put on my heart when we begin to talk, and let's, let's just let's focus on Jesus for this Christmas. Let's make it about him this Christmas. Let's give glory to Jesus all December long and all January, February. But let's just let's just say, hey, you know, let's don't let's don't miss let's don't be so busy that we miss out on Jesus' birthday. And I say, hey, we deserve one day a year. Let's give Jesus a whole month, you know, just to celebrate his birthday. Let's begin today celebrating Jesus for what he's done in our life and who he is. And, and let's, let's quit giving ear to Satan and the wisdom of the world and the knowledge of the world. And let's begin to get into his word and say, God, what do you say that Jesus is to me? Let's let baby Jesus grow up in my life. Let's let us grow up in maturity as we come to know Jesus in a more personal way day by day. Amen? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Let me ask you this question. Right, here's, here's, the, here's the first question. How many of you are, are, for whatever reason, dreading the holidays? Really? Good grief. That's sad. Why are you dreading them? I'm, 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 I want to be honest with you. You know, when we begin to dread the holidays, I think we're looking at stuff that we shouldn't be looking at. Look, Jesus said that we would have bad days and good days and trials and suffering and all those things, and it says that Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. But you know what? If we focus on those things, then it, it, you know whether we focus on the suffering or the blessings, it takes our eyes off Jesus in the midst of those things. And I just, man, I just really feel like I want to pray for people today that, that God is the, is, is, is the forefront of your life through these holiday seasons. And then instead of being stressed and under duress, you know what? You don't, don't, a Scrooge does not testify of the wonders of Christ. You know what I mean? A bellyacher doesn't, doesn't, doesn't glorify God. And my deal is this, is you know what? It, not only is it Christmas, not only is it a time to be joyful and to be happy for Jesus and what he's done in our life, it's also a time of testimony to the world of why we celebrate Christmas. But listen, if we're not celebrating Jesus on his birthday, then the world won't see us celebrating Jesus on his birthday. They'll see us celebrating something else, another Jesus, another gospel, another thing, or however you want to put that. But man, I just, I just want to really I just, just minister to you guys today and to say, you know what, no matter what my financial status is, no matter what my, my family status is, no matter what, I want to make sure that I don't miss out on Jesus as we celebrate his birthday. And so I want everybody just to stand to your feet. And I just I want the ministry team to come down.
And today, I just I feel like just ministering to whatever you need ministered to. You know, some of you are worried about, man, how am I going to finance Christmas, right? And how, some of you are worried about some of the relationships that you have in the midst of Christmas. And Satan is going to try to rob your joy in, in all kind of points and turns in your life. But I just want to pray for you guys today that God, that you, that you just spend a great time with the Lord through the holidays. And not only is that, not only that between you and him, but with us, the family of Gateway Church, that you don't miss out on the opportunities to fellowship with us, playing bingo and sitting around the table acting goofy and silly and, and going out and ministering to the community. You know, we need people to go to harvest uh, or be the angel tree next weekend and to, to help the kids. And, you know, and there's, believe me, there's some kids that are going to suffer some pretty bad Christmases unless we show up to give light to them and give hope to them. But I believe that there's some of you today just need somebody to pray with you, need somebody to love on you, need somebody to encourage you. How many of you would say that's you? Yeah? Well, if that's you, just watch recently, just in a short song. Whatever you need today, whatever obstacle you face in enjoying this Christmas holiday, I want you just to come and let these guys pray for you and comfort you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sharissa. Sure,